Welcome back to the 10 Blocks podcast. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Coming up on the show today, one of our contributing editors, Stephen I, joins me to discuss his recent essay for the magazine, Disorder in the Stacks, which looks at homelessness and the problems it's posing for New York's public libraries. Homelessness has been a challenge for every mayor in New York since the 70s, but today we'll talk about how the city's struggle to deal with it is creating new problems for one of our most valued institutions, the New York Public Library. Stephen's been a guest on the show before, and I know you'll enjoy the discussion. Our conversation will begin after this. Hello again, everyone. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Joining us now in the studio is Stephen Ide. Stephen is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and a contributing editor at City Journal. His recent essay for the magazine, Disorder in the Stacks, details how services for the homeless are putting a strain on library resources throughout the city. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Homelessness, as we mentioned at the beginning, has been a challenge for every mayor in New York really since the 70s. But for this piece, you spent a lot of time visiting different branches of the New York Public Library. What you found was a significant number of homeless people sitting in the library rooms, charging their phones, streaming Netflix, browsing social media, playing video games. It seems that the public libraries in Midtown Manhattan are sort of morphing into an extension of the city's homeless shelter system. Why is this happening in your view, and and what has been the reaction of library patrons to this? Well, uh, this burden is falling on the public library system because it's falling on many service systems in the city. You know, in terms of the kind of the core homeless services system, meaning mostly the network of emergency shelters, New York City already spends $3 billion. But that sum doesn't take into account the burden homelessness places on the cops, on the school system to deal with problems related to homeless school children. Um, And also the library is another service system that gets kind of roped into this this task. Um, um, it certainly has a financial burden in terms of spending on security and staffing on hours, um, but it also has uh, implications for just kind of the library's sense of purpose, its mission. Um, what does a library do? There's a lot of debate about that, um, but when you visit many of these branches, and I visited um, around 50 branches for this for this article, so, um, so several of them more than once, um, what it seems that a library does in many cases is, is function as a daytime homeless shelter. And some of the numbers uh, from your piece are are quite eye-opening. You just mentioned the security costs. The public library is now spending, I think, $12 million annually, you say, in the essay, which is, I guess, a number not all that far from the amount it spends on books and other resources. Um, How exactly are those security costs being spent and... and, uh, what kind of security do you need for a public library full of homeless people? Well, it's a delicate issue for the library to talk about. The library needs to go kind of hat in hand to the city council every year for its budget request. It doesn't want to dramatize, it, it, it believes, the problem for, of homelessness. But it's clearly internally a big, big issue. They have to debate where do they put these security guards. There, there aren't security guards at every 
at every branch and system. But the, the branches that you see a large concentration of security guards are not coincidentally these branches that have very large homeless people. We're in a cold places like the Bronx Library Center, the Civil Science Industry and Business Library in Midtown Manhattan. These are places where you might have in a cold day a few dozen homeless people sitting there all day long. And there you're going to have you know a significant concentration of, of security guards just so that any non-homeless person who happens to be using that branch for any reason is going to feel comfortable. Of course, um, the larger point to make there is that you won't see that many non-homeless people using libraries if you have large concentrations of homeless people. I mean, if you go out to, you know, suburban library systems or, you know, quasi-suburban um, branches in the in the NPL, NYPL system, like on Staten Island, which I did, or the Northern Bronx, you see, you know, older retirees or, um, um, you know, young, young, young professionals certain types of cohorts that you just don't see so much in these midtown branches and elsewhere, which have a high concentration of homeless people. I mean, we've talked about this many times in terms of how you manage public spaces, be it streets or parks. Um, you try to maximize the number of kind of ordinary people going about their daily business and try to minimize the people who are contributing to concerns about disorder. And at this point, the balance is clearly more towards the homeless side of the ledger than the non-homeless side of the ledger at many, many branches. In, in New York City. So it is having an effect on the patrons. They're, they're not showing up to the degree they would have been um, absent this problem. Yeah, I mean, people don't feel comfortable, right. you know, settling in for a couple hours. I mean, you know, around midtown Manhattan, it's not like you have an overabundance of kind of quiet, pleasant places to just go sit for a couple of hours. Um, the library could be serving that function, but a lot of people don't feel comfortable just sitting, opening up their laptop or opening up a book and spending a few hours in a place where they're surrounded by a bunch of people who, you know, are clearly homeless um, and they don't know. Maybe they're behaving or radically. Um, it's just not the kind of... Um, not going to feel safe bringing kids there. And, yeah, uh, I mean, there are children's sections, but they, they, they uh, d- delineate those boundaries very quickly, very clearly between the children's and the adult, and the adult sections at all these branches. But we, it's, you're especially, it's especially rare to see, I would say, relatively speaking, ad- non-homeless adults using the library for the purpose that we would think we have libraries for. Um, you know, this is... The, the New York Public Library's favorite word is inclusiveness, inclusivity. This is an institution that serves all New Yorkers. That's its commitment, as it says over and over again. But it's not uh, inclusive in a de facto kind of way because you don't see all New Yorkers at public library branches, and many of them you only see certain kinds of New Yorkers. We're taking a quick break to talk about The Beat. If you're a longtime listener, you've probably heard us mention it before, But if you're in the New York area and you like to follow policy and politics in the city and state, The Beat is a newsletter that gives insight on housing, education, homelessness, infrastructure, and lots more, delivered right to your inbox three times a week. You can find it at www.thebeatmi.com. That's www.thebeatmi.com. And now back to our interview with Stephen I. You mentioned disorder, and, and certainly the presence of a large number of homeless people in a branch is, is a sign of disorder. Has there been any kind of uptick in um, crime or, or property damage? I mean, the library does keep security incident data. Um, they're, they're higher than I would say they should be. 
um, in terms of the number of emotionally disturbed persons, security incidents. Um, they they were only able to give me four years of data. I didn't. I wanted to be very cautious. Now I interpreted that and to say that we're seeing a big increase. But just in terms of the way that library officials talk about this on and off the record, clearly this is a concern. That they're concerned that this is a rising problem for them. They're not. They're, they're open about that. I mean, if a homeless person, you know, attacks somebody, then that homeless person is going to be promptly taken out of the facility and dealt with and committed to a psychiatric hospital or jail, whatever. Um, but, um, but people can create a kind of, um, you know, uncomfortable environment without being like, you know, uh, floridly psychotic. Um, and that's, I think, the more typical case you'll find in many of these library facilities. Now, you raise uh, a number of legal issues in the essay. Libraries are, in many ways, a public space. They certainly advertise themselves as such, as you've just indicated. But courts have traditionally given leeway to libraries, just as they have in public spaces, with regulating disorderly behavior. So how does that work in practice? Uh, Can library security remove a homeless person from a library? Can it regulate this in any way? Yeah, they have more, you know, um, panhandling is prohibited. Um, um, very bad BO is prohibited. That has been held up in court, not in the New York cases related to New York, but outside of New York and New Jersey. Um, there is an understanding that a library has a more specific sense of purpose than like a street or a sidewalk. And in order to fulfill that sense of purpose, it needs to have more stringent regulations on behavior. Courts have held that up. Cities have a lot of difficulty um, regulating the behavior of homeless people outside of um, transit systems, outside of libraries. But within certain types of systems, you can do more to regulate behavior. Um, but just how, but there's still you know, important limits on ter- in terms of um, whether or not you can remove somebody who's not, you know, assaulting anybody. Has there been any kind of advocacy at work in this area pushing for the rights of homeless people to, to occupy these spaces? Well, um, you know, I did look, look at a few systems outside of New York City that I think there's, there's always, uh, in any, any progressive jurisdiction, there are going to be um, legal advocates who want to push, push things as far as they can in terms of using the courts. The larger question for me is what are the library systems themselves doing? Because library systems themselves, because they want to be seen as progressive, because they want to be seen as like doing the right thing relative to the city politicians who control the budget strings, um, are in some ways embracing the role of homeless service provider. Um, it, it, every every urban ma- major urban public library system, this is a role that they find themselves in. But it's a question of whether or not you 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 leap to it or you do it with with great reluctance. I would say the San Francisco public library system um, not only um, goes farther than other library systems in terms of what it offers for 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 homeless patrons. It, um, it really broadcasts. I mean, you see article upon article about the, New- the San Francisco's public library system's creative ideas about homeless services. New York Public Library is really more in the kind of reluctant camp at the moment. Its service offerings are quite modest. And um, according to what the library officials said, that's where they're likely to remain. They don't want to go in the San Francisco route, So San, in, in San Francisco, and we had Erica Sandberg on last week, uh, who was situated out there in, in, in that city, and talking about uh, the broader problem of, of public uh, order breakdown. Uh, but, but as you argue in your piece, San Francisco has probably gone the furthest in this idea of transforming the library 
the library system's mission, in a way, into um, kind of becoming a homeless services provider. Is that, yeah. is that a fair thing to say? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have, um, you know, social workers. They have, um, they have peers that is former homeless, former men, men, people dealing with mental illness challenges who do outreach work to other homeless patrons. They establish partnerships with, with organizations that come around and bring, like, shower services and stuff to the, to the library system. And so, and, and again, they really prom- do a lot to promote these efforts, obviously. They're very, they're very proud of it. So, um, 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 so, there is, um, so there's a difference in, ter- in, in, in the spirit, the way you engage in the spirit of the thing between San Francisco and other public library systems. And New York, at the moment, is in the middle, I would say. Now, this is a broader question just about homelessness in general in New York City. Um, I imagine easing the situation for the libraries would entail improving the homeless crisis situation more broadly, right, in the city? And, and in your view, what, what do we need to do to get closer to that? Well, uh, yes. I mean, the, there's the, you, there are going to have to be um, legal changes, policy changes. Um, you know, if you break out the mental health component of it, you know, somewhere between a quarter and a third of homeless people usually are estimated to have a serious mental illness. Um, we need to talk about inpatient psychiatric care for some of those people, improved outpatient psychiatric care, better focus of resources on that population as opposed to other people who claim to have mental disorders. Um, the how it's homelessness certainly is a housing problem. The the very la- the serious lack of low rent housing is an enormous problem in San Francisco and New York City. We dug ourselves a very deep hole on that in that respect um and in, but in terms of the legal legal challenges i think that you know these cities san francisco new york you can't say that they're not doing anything they're not responding they're spending tons and tons of resources on these on these um on these challenges these homeless challenges um that should give them more legal flexibility to do more in terms of quality of life ordinances than they are at the moment. I mean, there's a legal question in terms of what courts will let you do. There's also a political question in terms of how far you want to push the limits in terms of what you want to do. Um, and I don't think that um, the politicians in New York and San Francisco are going that far at the moment to push, to see how far they can go in terms of quality of life ordinances. You've written for the uh, magazine about the library system before. You, you have a great affection for it, right? Yeah, talk I mean, about that a little bit. I mean, for me, the I mean, for me, the public library in New York or at any community, I mean, in affluent suburbs and you know, Rust Belt cities in California, it's a cultural institution. That's why it's it's a public good. We support libraries because we want to make it easier for people, for for strivers, for people who have a penchant for self-education, who view their public education as incomplete, who want to continue to pursue um, intellectual endeavors. Um, on their own, this was the kind. Of, this is Andrew Carnegie's vision back when he bankrolled um, over a thousand libraries across the nation. And I still think that that vision has a lot to say for itself. And if we want to think of, and I think all all of us like the idea of public libraries. We are not shutting down libraries. We believe libraries are are valid public goods. But if a library is really more in the social services business than the than the cultural institution business. Um, then that raises a lot of questions of whether or not the library knows anything about what it's doing in the social services business. I mean, do we need social service providers? Sure. We need people to be connecting people with, 
you know, treatment for their serious mental illness to, for, to helping them, you know, get back on their feet in terms of employment. And there are many social service providers who do a decent job with those tasks. But I've never seen in all this literature about all these great innovative things that libraries are supposedly doing to help the homeless, I've never seen any serious reckoning in terms of how you evaluate whether or not libraries are any good at helping us reduce the amount of homelessness or improve our, our po policy response to homelessness. Yes, they're doing something vis-a-vis -vis homelessness. Are, there any, are they any good at homeless services? I have a lot of doubts about that. For a deeper look into how homelessness is affecting the New York public library system, uh, read Stephen I's essay, Disorder in the Stacks. It's in City Journal. It's on our website. You can find City Journal on Twitter, at City Journal and on Instagram, at CityJournal underscore MI. If you've enjoyed today's show, please be sure to rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and thank you for joining us, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.